Okay, so right. welcome to the podcast. Today we're having on Pat Lucero out of Gallup, New Mexico. Um, Pat is a, a good friend of mine, good friend of my wife's. Um, they go way back. Uh, Pat has um, pioneered in Denver. He's been a missionary in uh, China, and now he's currently assisting in uh, Gallup, New Mexico, assisting Pastor Jonathan Heimberg. Um, so, Pat, um, would you uh, mind giving a quick testimony, uh, just basically how you how you got saved, um, and then uh, how you ended up in 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 the ministry? Yeah. Uh, first, thanks for uh, having me. Uh, I don't think I've ever been on a podcast, so um, kind of cool. Uh, I'm uh, born and raised here in Gallup, New Mexico, um, and so. My family, my parents were kind of in and out of church growing up. My mom got saved real young. Uh, she got followed up on by Becky Wilson. And, uh, you know, my dad came into the church, drug addict, you know, saw this cute girl and uh, stole her out of church, you know, stole one of the converts and knocked her up. And... Uh, and so, you know, pretty much their lives were a mess. And so they remembered church. They went back, got saved. And so growing up, um, I just remember being raised in and out of church. And so my parents were in church, but they were never like, it was never important. I remember that growing up, you know, and they, my parents did the best they could. You know, they, they were still just broken people, sinners, uh, trying to figure out life. Uh, and so uh, I just remember all, all this conflict in their marriage growing up. And, uh, you know, I didn't really have a, a relationship with my father even to this day. And so I was just kind of really a wild child growing up. And so I remember just getting into drugs, very young age, um, uh, smoking pot, like 12 years old. Um, and then before you know it, you know, drinking and um and so when I was 15, um, I just remember this feeling of just complete hopelessness. Mm. I just remember thinking like, I'm nobody, I don't have anybody, you know? Um, and so Dwayne Renz was actually preaching a tent crusade in Gallup, Pastor Tom Payne. Um, he was the pastor at the time. Um, and it was, um, it was August of 2005, and I remember everything about the day. You know, I remember what I was wearing. I was wearing these blue jeans with these blue basketball shoes and a pink button-up uh, short sleeve shirt, and um, I don't even remember the sermon, but I remember accepting Jesus into my life, genuine conversion, and I remember just being different walking away from that thinking, man, this is, this is real. You know, my parents weren't even really saved. I don't believe. And I just remember something happened to me. So, you know, profound. I, I immediately stopped doing uh, smoking pot, uh, cut off all my friends. And I latched myself to pastor Payne. I, I remember that just um, him working with me. And um, so I got saved. That was the uh, B 
beginning of my ninth grade year in school, I stay safe all the way through school. Um, you know, I graduated and, um, you know, that's really how I got, I got saved though. Um, so how did you go from, uh, getting saved, being a convert to becoming a disciple? Yeah. So I got, um, saved with a bunch of guys, a bunch of young men. It was like a little mini revival in Gallup. And so I remember just this environment where we wanted to be involved. And so, um, I just, I just remember, I don't, I don't really remember the day, like, oh my gosh, this is the day I was called to preach, but I just remember always wanting to be involved. And, you know, Pastor Payne would always preach about making your life count, your part to play, you know, those sermons. I remember those sermons. I still have the notes from them, you know, and, um, I remember one day in high school, um, he came to me and said, Hey, we have this Bible club at the high school and we need someone to run it. You know, there's the guys graduating and it was called SWAT students with a testimony. And so I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? He's like, well, you know, you outreach during the week and one day a week you, uh, uh, you just preach to him. And he's like, I don't care what you do, how you do it. And as long as it's legal and so <laughs> as long as it's legal yeah and he, he then, then he like kind of prefaced it because he was like uh and maybe it, some of that even might be questionable so he gave me lots of rooms so so i was like okay um and so i did that i made these like corny little flyers that said free pizza and room b 20 something you know we had this teacher sponsor us mm-hmm. and we had like 30 kids come like awesome sinners like so i'm i don't even know what i'm doing like uh so my sermon was like a bunch of jeremy camp lyrics (laughs) (laughs) and i had like a bunch i had like a bunch of scriptures you know and my testimony like that was my sermon (laughs) that's awesome and so like i remember it though because uh there was a couple of people there the twins they're still saved um i think rachel turpin was there she's in one of the churches in albuquerque and uh we had all this pizza and these like we had like 13 people get saved and so i go to church that night and um you know i don't you know pastor Payne's like hey so how'd it go today you know the first day you know and i'm like oh that was good we had like 30 kids there and he's like what i'm like yeah uh you know 13 14 kids got saved it was kind of cool he's like wait wait how many so he had me get up in front of the church and give a testimony on it you know i don't even know what i'm doing um, but I just remember thinking like, man, this is, this is kind of cool. Like making my life count and, you know, working with people. And, and so from then I, you know, just started asking pastor Payne questions. Like, you know, what, a, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does that mean? You know, what, how do you start a church? Like why, you know, and, um, I just remember just deciding like, okay, this is, this is what I want to do with my life. Cause I was really, I was really wrestling with the military. I really wanted to join the military. Like I had everything planned out, um, you know, um, everything. And so, and I just, just made a choice. You know, I know pastor Greg says it's a disciple decision, you know, discipleship decision, and that's, that, that's just what I did. You know, I mm-hmm. just made a choice. And uh, God 
God just honored that. I kept my heart right all through high school, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, no kidding. Um, you know, and that was I don't know, 13 years ago. And um, so, you know, from there, obviously, uh, you have to get married. So uh, I went on the hunt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I totally, I totally, you know, uh, God blessed me with a good wife who shared the same vision and heart that I had for people. And, um, you know, it's crazy as I was a missionary, but I was, I was 16 years old when I knew I was, I was called to be a missionary. And I was just sitting at this, we had this uh, map in the back of our church and, uh, we would just point at like all these cities, you know, and. Uh, I just remember always wanting to go to Madagascar. And so when they announced Steve Nicodemus, <laughs> I, was kind of, I was like ticked off. I'm like, dang it, it took my, my, my nation, man. <laughs> my wife, my wife, uh, my wife told a little secret out of, out of, out of school here that uh, apparently you were inspired to go to Madagascar because of the movie Madagascar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Is that true? No, that, no, but that's, I think she's joking. That, that, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, so, um, so you got married and, uh, how'd you end up in, in Denver? What was the, what was the process like for that? I mean, you got launched out of a conference. So I got married and then nine months later we went on staff. And so it happened like really quick. We both had really good jobs, kind of, you know, unexpected, which was still we were, we were ready to go in the shoot, you know. So we quit our jobs like the next day. And so I wanted to go to Virginia. Ham, you know, the Hampton Bay area, you know, military. Um, I liked like the Dallas, Fort Worth area, Richardson, mm -hmm. Texas. But I like, I honestly did not hear this voice like, Pat, go to Denver. But mm -hmm. it was just in the middle of conference, my pastor just asked me, hey, what do you, you know, I know you want to go to these places. There's not a lot of churches there. You know, you kind of be on your own. What do you think about Denver? And so we had planted a church in Denver the year before. And so I kind of thought about it and I ate with that pastor the night before. This is in the middle of Gallup Conference. This would have been April of uh, 2016 and so i was like pastor i think this is god yeah I, told, I was like i ate with him last night and in the middle of this dinner i was like man i could go to denver because i'm not dude i don't build stuff i don't like doing that you know to be honest and uh this guy was super handy i'm like dude he could help me do that stuff yeah. and so i was like yeah let's let's do denver denver wasn't even on my list wasn't even on my radar and um so we, we, you know, we, we decided Denver, my wife was uh, eight months pregnant. And so we got announced Friday night, we were in Denver 12 days later. And um, we were like pedal to the metal. We found a house within um, seven days. I went all over Denver. I was just praying for people. There, there was a couple of churches there and, you know, almost 5 million people. I didn't really know where to put the church, but I just went mm -hmm. And I started praying for people and I was just, God, I want, I want you to show me where you want me to put this church. And so I'm telling you, like I went all over North Denver, nobody was getting healed. Nobody was responding. I went to South Denver, the Littleton area. And it was like, dude, I'm in the middle of the grocery store with, you know, people are sitting on Cokes and I'm putting their legs up praying for them. Their legs are coming out, you know? Wow. And so I called my pastor said, pastor, I think we should put a church here. This is, I'm seeing all this and so he's like, yeah, I think let's do that. You know, so immediately found a house. I found a 
the church building less than five minutes from my house. Um, we what were, we were can I ask you a, open. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. What inspired you to just like uh, start praying for people as far as when you first got there? What was, where'd that come from? Um, it, it was just on my pastor, Tommy, Pastor Heinberg. And mm-hmm. so um, he told me when you go there, you need, you need the supernatural. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, it's, it's a big, big city, man. I mean, I'm from a Gallup, 20,000 people. And I, you know, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm born and raised in a small town. And so I just, just remembered that word he gave me to, you know, I need the supernatural. And so, um, that's, that's what I did, bro. I just, I'm like, you know what, God, I'm going to lay a fleece like Gideon, show me where to put this church. And, um, it was, it was just crazy. The favor I had with our house, you know, the lady like just kept taking money off when she found out I was a pastor. Wow. Um, you know, the building, just how it ha- it used to be a laundromat. And um, it was, it was really, it was really like some of the best years of my life. And then we had a baby, you know, in the middle of all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was that having a, having a baby while you're out pioneering? Um, it's like you're drowning and then somebody hands you a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was, it was just like, pedal to the metal man you know in my mind um Dave I was just thinking like you know I might not get another opportunity this might be my only chance I get you know I I didn't want to waste my opportunity you know right you know I felt like the Hamilton musical you know I'm not going to throw away my shot you know I was singing (laughs) I was singing that before it was cool just kidding (laughs) but yeah you know we had our baby my wife you know we'd be outreaching with a little thing on her chest holding ruby that's awesome yeah that was it was a blast man we were there for two years you were there for two years and did you go um did you get launched to china from denver or did you go somewhere else first yeah straight from denver yeah straight from denver so what was what was that what what was the process that led to that what how did you know did god put it on your heart or what was the pastor ask you or how did it go um so it was august of 2017 i get like a early sunday morning text message from my pastor he's like hey if you want to go to china and preach for steve and you know and he's one of our baby churches in china he's like i'll, I'll pay for it for you to go out of nowhere mm-hmm. and so but before that i had been bugging him like every couple of months man i was just texting pastor I feel called overseas. I just want to, I just kept putting a bug in his ear, you know, and I, mm-hmm. every once in a while I'll send him sit, uh, cities. So any young aspiring missionary, you know, like just put, keep putting in your pastor's ear. Cause that's what I did. And so out of nowhere, he texted me, go to China. So I went two months later, literally I got my visa, went to China, uh, preached for Steve and it, dude, it was like powerful revival. You know, uh, he was in a city of 14 million and I was so stirred and moved. And what really changed my, that trip changed my ministry. Mm-hmm. Because Steve made disciples. And so me and Steve, we had the same amount of people, the same environment, but his church had disciples and I didn't. And so I'm there in Suzhou, China. It's a small church, but it doesn't feel small, if that makes sense. Mm. And so I'm watching this take place, like all these disciples and, 
And so then I started asking myself questions like, okay, what does it really mean to make a disciple? Like, what does that mean? And so I get back home, I get on the phone. I'm like, pastor, this is going to be a long phone call. I just want to warn you. And he starts laughing. He's like, oh no, what did Steve do? And I'm like, I'm like, pastor, it's not what he did. It's what I saw. And I just asked him, how do you make a disciple? Yeah. Like like that, that sounds like a really dumb question, but it's not. What did he say? And, and um, he said a lot. It was a long conversation. Is that <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you what, like any person listening, I, I would encourage you to ask your pastor that question. Mm. Like if you really just sit down and, and ask that question, like what does it really mean? How do you make a disciple? Does that question really change the direction of my ministry? Because, you know, we want to have big churches. We want to have people coming. But like, how do you make a disciple? How does, how does that happen? And, and I, I, all I'll say is it's, it's really intentional. Mm. You know, it's, it's more than just a guy showing up in a shirt and tie, doing what, what you say, right? And so I, I want to tell you, man, that conversation was the longest phone call we've ever had. Like, I want on probably almost two hours. And I just asked him question after question. And so after that, I, I was like, Pastor, I want to, you know, I think China's it. I want to go. I want to go. And so April conference comes. I'm not even expecting going to China. And um, <clears throat> so he pulls me in and uh, he's like, hey, you know, how's how's uh, Denver going? And, you know, we, at the time uh, we were we were running uh, 30 people the beginning of that year. And so we, you know, that, and that we had all these fires come up. I had to put a lady out and she was just causing all these problems. And so one thing I've always, I've always been real honest with my pastor and he knew, you know, we were running like five people at the time. Mm. Like, yeah, it's kind of a bummer pastor right now. It sucks. It's like, but you know, I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I, you know, I'm encouraged this week. And so then he was like, well, are you, uh, are you serious about China? And I'm like, Serious as a heart attack, Pastor. I was like, I'm, you know, next three to five years. And he's like, so what do you think about going this year? And I'm like, what? And so I was like, I was like, yeah, we could, we could leave tomorrow if we need to. And uh, so he's like, the only route into China right now is Steve's church. You, you would take over Steve's church. He's coming back. And so that, that's how it happened. I didn't even have to. He's like, do you want to ask? talk to your wife I was like no I don't need to we're on the same page um pastor will say yes to anything you need anything you want so then he was like well I need to hear it from Rebecca go grab her and so Donnie Benali at the time he was preaching so I go everybody sees me you know go and get my wife we go in and uh it was it was a sealed deal man we were we were in China 20 days later wow Jesus. yeah you're not so, really gone quickly for you though. yeah pretty quick i mean yeah literally 20 wow. 19 days later we so i want to bring it back a little bit to that conversation you had about the uh, uh making disciples of pastor heinberg so after you had the conversation what changed for you specifically was it a perspective change was it things that you were doing that you knew you had to change or maybe things you weren't doing and then how did it affect the church in Denver before you left yeah it 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 just changed everything and it changed 
how I approach the church. Um, you know, one of the things that's really important in a church is celebrating what's it, what's it, what's important. And so, um, you know, we had a lot of raw, raw converts. Like I'm talking thugs and drug addicts and gangsters. And so um, one day I remember one of the guys walked in um, wearing a, a, a jeans and a shirt and a tie, like just jeans. Like it was just looked with Jordans, you know, but, <laughs> but right before I pulled the offering, I made a big deal about it in front of the whole church, you know, and there, there's like seven people there, you know. But I'm like, hey, you know, look at Fabian tonight. Look at, you know, got his chain. He's wearing a shirt and tie like a man of God. And, you know, I, I just celebrated that. What was, you know, what's important to me, which is, right. which is men, men, you know, being a man of God. Yeah. And so um, that, that it was, it was like a paradigm shift for, for me, um, you know, because he, he, he just told me it's intentional, you know? Yeah. And um, gosh, I'm kind of drawing a blank right now. I, I really did write down everything he told me, but um, I really didn't think we were going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I mean, that's kind of hard to remember two full hours worth of a conversation. So I'm sure. It'll yeah. Sure together, but so how does it, how does it now that you're the assistant pastor in Gallup, how does that affect how you interact with the disciples there now, is that still something that you're all those things that he spoke about then, are they still, uh, are they still prevalent in your life with disciples today? You know, as a assistant, it's, um, it's kind of a learning curve. Um, because no, my job is to pastor Heimberg doesn't need help discipling. And so I understand my lane. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it's not weird. It's just the truth. I, I, my job is to point people to pastor, get them to pastor or, or challenge men like, Hey, you know, come on, man, you know, talk to pastor about this. You, you know, you can do this. I'm more of like an encourager, you know? Um, but honestly being an assistant is cool because I'm being rediscipled. And so now being in the field as a pioneer, being a, a missionary, I have different questions that my mind thinks different than someone who's just been in the church. Mm. And so I'm able, I'm able to get up almost a, a different level of discipleship for my pastor because I can ask him, Hey, how did you handle this? Or I notice how he does things. What, why, why did you do it this way? Help me understand. And so um, for me, my job is just make my pastor's job easier, you know, build Christians. That's one thing that I, I get to do is I get to work with new converts um, and yeah, anything I can do to make pastor's job uh, easy, but it's a very um, smooth running ship in Gallup. So. Right on. So back to uh, you, you, you left Denver 19 days later, you're in China. What's going through your head? What do you, what's, what's your strategy for a new so, nation? So um, this is a funny story. So I'm staying in this really nice hotel, right? And so me and Steve were running around China. Like he's showing me how to pay my cell phone, the grocery stores, showing me all these tricks that he took four years for him to learn. And he's giving me this in like three days, right? Yeah. And it was so overwhelming. I'm jet lagged. On top of that, I traveled with two small children. 
And so my kids were like in a different time zone, just way different. Uh, and so it was bad. And so this is the kind of funny part is like, I was, I woke up, it's the, uh, the playoffs are going off on and uh, it's like 4 a.m. I'm watching the game and I email Pastor Payne like, Pastor Payne, hi, it's Pat. I'm in China. I don't know what I got myself into. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I literally emailed that. I didn't know what to do, man. I was, I think my pastor was traveling or something and I, I just couldn't, I just had this like moment of like, what did I get myself into? And yeah. And I just remember him telling me some, get some rest and just trust God. He's going to, you guys, this is going to be the best times of your life. Something like that. And, um, and it was, man, like those two years I had in China were the greatest time of my life. Like with my family, I'm a full-time pastor. I get to walk around China and just get lost. You know, my city is 14 million people and I have disciples, that, that was like the bread of the, on the butter, man, is I had disciples. I had men in ministry. I had men that wanted to preach. And so that, that was the exciting part, too, is I just working and learning a culture and, and you know, trying to apply, you know, uh, the, the Bible, you know, a biblical view of their culture. And um, it, it was a learning experience. I made so many mistakes. Um, but I always was on the phone with Pastor Heimberg. I was always on the phone with Steve asking questions. And uh, in two years, we kept everybody. We didn't lose a single person through the church. Praise God, Paul. And uh, it was it was the greatest thing in the world, being a missionary. And uh, you and I have talked about this, but uh, I, it's a lot more difficult in China to evangelize because you don't know if somebody is going to be reporting you to the police. Right. Whatever. But... Uh, Apparently you had revival through basketball. You want to talk about that a little bit? Man, I was like the white Kobe Bryant in China. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, man, I, you know, I grew up playing basketball my whole life. Like we was, we were pro poor growing up, man. And so it was swimming and basketball and I could only do one of them. Right. And that was basketball. <laughs> and so, um, Playing basketball, man, I would draw a crowd of 30, 40, 50, 60 people. And and so, you know, they just want to be my friend. And, you know, they'd go, oh, you're so strong. And I wasn't strong. I was just fat. And I knew I knew how to lose <laughs> You know? David should go over there, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Um, and so, man, I would just meet people playing basketball. And we would talk and I'd get to know them about their families. And then I'd get their WeChat. You know, we could communicate on that. And that's just a, an app that we could translate Chinese to English, English, Chinese. Um, and then they would come to church. Like, no doubt, if I go play basketball, at least three people would come to church the following Wednesday or Sunday. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, you know, we even did a, a tournament one time. We met these guys who were like, like there were seven of us. And so 30 of them come out. I'm not making that number up. There was wow. 30 people on their team. So they paid for a referee. They paid for a DJ. Oh my they God. paid for the, uh, the, the, uh, plate, the venue. You have to pay <laughs> money, you know, 
and then they had fans like they had their custom jerseys. <laughs> oh my god like we were looking and then they had flags they ran out with flags with their team logo and so we all <laughs> were like we thought this was just like a pickup game you know like <laughs> dude, they they called us out they had announcements at halftime like and uh, we ended up losing by seven but uh they named me i was the mvp of the game i dropped like 36 points wow and I, I cramped up. I played like the whole game. At the end, I was cramping so bad. <laughs> <laughs> they had they had thirty people on their team. You guys, that's yeah, ridiculous. that's hilarious. But here's the funny part: is we only agreed to it if uh, they would come to church, and oh, they wow. did. And they oh, did. Nice. Yeah, they all came to church. It was kind of cool. That's awesome. That's crazy. yeah. So what what city were you in in China? I was in Suzhou, China, which is right outside Shanghai. Okay. Um, it's a little closer than Prescott to Phoenix, like halfway, probably, I'd say. And uh, 14 million people. Wow. Yeah. So how long were you in China for? How many years? Two I was in China for almost two years. And almost then uh, COVID hit. Yeah. So oh. I was there during COVID when all that oh, happened. Okay. What, was, what wow. was that like? A lot of lockdowns and madness? Yeah, it was... Um, it was interesting, man, because so we came to uh, Prescott Conference 2020, January 2020. And right before we left, we had kind of had we're hearing like there's this virus in one of the provinces. And so, you know, in China, it's like, yeah, we probably believe it, but it's so far away. And, you know, and so we go to Bible conference and we come back and uh, I almost didn't make it into the country. That's another story. And um, but we get we get to Suzhou and it's Chinese new year, but they have all these posters all over China telling people don't go home for Chinese new year. So we're like, what the heck? So, you know, Chinese culture, you work nine, nine, six. What that means is you work from 9. AM to 9. PM, six days a week. You get one day off top of that. The boss is always calling you for late night meetings, all this stuff. So they don't take time off all year long. So Chinese New Year is a big deal. They all go back home to see family. It's like Christmas and Thanksgiving rolled together. It's a big deal. It's the biggest human um, migration ever. Like, like a billion people are literally traveling in China during Chinese wow. New Year. And so for them to say that is a big deal. You know, like, you know, you're going to bring shame on your family, which those are big. And so the disciples are telling me this. They're like, pastor, this, this is serious. I'm like, well, what does that mean? You know, I don't know. I'm, you know, from America, these kinds of things don't happen. And so, so all of a sudden, man, it, you know, this thing starts spreading. We start hearing all these, you know, stay home. So every day it was like life started changing. And so when it, when I knew it was serious is my wife called me and she said, Pat, there's no food. I'm like, what, what do you, you know, she's at the grocery store. What do you, what do you mean? There's no food. What are you, what are you talking about? You know, I'm like, you know, I, I was in the middle of something. I remember getting, you know, kind of mad and she's like, Pat, there's no food at the grocery store. I'm here right now. And then it hit me. I was like, Oh, stain. Cause you got to remember foreigners are always going to eat last in China. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that is, I got stories. I could, you know, go foreigners will eat last. And hey, so man, we have a podcast is for. So if you got a story you think is interesting, lay it on us, man. 
Well, when I when I was coming into the country in January, um, they let all the Chinese citizens. They made me and my family step off to the side while 240 Chinese people ran their passports, and then the 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 foreigners, the Wagorans. Okay, Wagoran, la 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 la, foreigner, come here, come here, come here. And, and so you know, that that's all I'm saying is that that's their mindset with foreigners. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm like, oh man. And so, um, Jeremiah and Tracy, there were another pastor there in Suja. I called them, said, listen, this is, you know, uh, do you guys have any meat? You know, pastor come over, you know, so the pastor and his wife, they, uh, got some, you know, they had extra grocery. They always got, you know, they got a bunch of kids. So went over, picked up some food, went home a couple of days later, the food was back. But uh, I remember um, all of a sudden, like I, I started having a hard time getting um, on the internet. So, you know, you have this, you can't just access the World Wide Web. You have to use a VPN. Mm -hmm. And so for like three days, I couldn't get my VPN to work. So I'm on the phone with Pastor Heinberg. He's saying things, he's reading the news that I'm not, I hadn't even, I didn't even know. Wow. So I'm like, man, I... I don't know what's going on. I'm, you know, you know, we're getting a little spooked. And, and so all of a sudden they start passing all, okay, you can't leave without a mask. You have to wear a mask. So I'm like, Oh man. So no, you know, I have a picture, you know, pastor, I we're all, even my kids, we have to wear a mask. Then all of a sudden they started coming out with a temperature checks. Then they're, then they started saying, okay, if you go to a restaurant, there's no more sit down. You have to take it to go everywhere. So my mall, I lived across the street from a mall. It's like the Arizona Cardinal Stadium, the University of Phoenix. It's yeah, it's nine stories. This the the mall. It's like a football stadium. It's massive. Wow, jeez, yeah, completely empty. You know, and there's there's over three hundred restaurants, just restaurants there, and it's completely empty. And so then they make make me give them my name, my number, and as American, I'm like, what the heck? No, oh my gosh. Then on the app, they come up with this uh, health tab. And you have to agree that they can track you, all this stuff. But everywhere you go, you have to scan it. And it shows, okay, if your health is in good, you know, you haven't been exposed. And if you don't scan the app, you can't, you can't get food. You can't get to the restaurant. You, you can't get on the subway. So all this stuff is happening very, very quickly. So then they say, okay, we're going complete lockdown, 14 million people. You can leave one time a week for two hours to get gross. Only one person from your house. So we, we, we were in lockdown for three weeks until my wife got a phone call. Uh, she was pregnant at the time, uh, made in China. And uh, <laughs> so the doctor called her doctor calls her, her doctors from Taiwan says, Hey, um, I'm not coming back to China. Good luck. Oh my God. And so she, she already hadn't seen a doctor since December. And she, you know, it was one of those important uh, doctor appointments and we, we weren't able. So um, Pastor Heinberg calls me first time he's ever really told me like what to do. And this is exactly what he said. He said, Pat, listen, I feel a responsibility uh, to you and your family. And so if something was to happen to you guys, we, 
He's, and then he started talking about SARS. He's like, man, when I was in India, SARS happened and, you know, came out later. They, there, there was more they knew that they didn't tell everybody. And so he's like, I think it's best if you guys come back, let this blow over. You're going to stay on salary. Just come back, be refreshed. You don't have to worry. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to preach. Just I want you to talk this over with Rebecca and give me an answer. So I go home and um, it was a Sunday morning, China time, Saturday night, America, America time. And my wife's like, I, I, I need to see a doctor. You know, so you, you were in this room, you know, we, 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 we did not feel comfortable going to a Chinese doctor at the time with COVID going on. We normally we go to the Chinese doctor all the time, but with what was going on, we weren't sure the uncertainty, mm-hmm. so much misinformation going out. Uh, you know, we made the decision, okay, let's go back home. You know, we took, when we moved to China, we took 20 suitcases. When we left, we took six. And so we figured we're coming back, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's really how it happened. You know, it, was, it took us 41 hours from Shanghai to get to Albuquerque, New Mexico. It was brutal. <laughs> um, and so then we, we stayed in Gallup until... Um, the plan was to go back to China after our April conference. So that's February, April 26th. Pastor's like, I don't think you're going back to China. And so that's when he brought me on staff uh, to assist. Yeah, Pastor, um, so- Pastor Mitchell, a few years ago, uh, said that, you know, China was an open door right now and we better take advantage of yeah. it while the door is open because it's not going to be open forever. Yeah. So, um, have you been able to stay in contact with any of the, any of the disciples in your church? How has your church managed to survive this whole madness? Yeah, absolutely. So this is the, this is kind of like the bittersweet part of of it because all my disciples got married when we, right when we moved back to Gallup, you know, uh, February, March, April, they all got married. And so in January, when I came back um, to conference, there was a disciple that covered the services for us, and um, it didn't go too good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good that happened because had it not, I probably would have gave him the church. Mm. And so God was totally involved. And so when this all happened, you know, okay, what are we going to do with the pseudo church? We have disciples, we have couples that could take it. And so I made the decision. I said, Pastor, I don't think it's a good idea to give this disciple our church to get be best if he went out pioneered. You know, I, I could have totally did that. I could have, you know, yeah, I nationalized it. And, but I, I just didn't feel like that was the best thing for the church. And so we combined with another church there in Sujo, Jeremiah and Tracy. Hmm. And so it was a very smooth transition. Everyone's been going. They've actually grown. And, you know, like people who normally weren't involved, they're like more involved now. And I'm like, what? You know? wow. <laughs> How does that happen? Why couldn't you do that when I was there? <laughs> so it was a very smooth transition. Um, I don't talk too much. You know, I really just, you know, hello, Pastor. How are you? Good. Good to see you. And you know, I had a couple people reach out to me, but I, you know, just point them back to their pastor. I'm not their pastor anymore. So, right. As the old saying goes, not my monkey, not my circus. So, (laughs) 
So, uh, so you came back to Gallup and was it in that same April that you were asked to uh, assist there in Gallup? Yeah, I came back in February. I was there for two months. And then when all the lockdowns, everything, we realized, uh, I think it was April 26th, Pastor Heinrich asked me to come on staff. Yeah. I write those dates down. I don't know why, but. <laughs> you know the dates. Hey, yeah. so it's, it's for, for moments like this when you're being interviewed on a podcast right. so that you can tell us. <laughs> yeah. Date. Yeah, so. Um, you said that you uh, almost didn't make it back into China. Can you can you tell that story? Yeah, so um, it's January 2020 conference. We're going back. Um, Pastor Greg had invited me and my family to go. And so um, at security, they pulled me into secondary, which isn't a big deal. Why are you here? What do you want? But then they actually pulled me into a room, me and my family. So I have, I have two kids at the time. I have three now. And so anybody knows my son, Jack, Jack is just wild. And so he's like tearing up the interrogation room. And I'm like, no, 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 Rebecca, let him do it. Let him, he's helping us. And so like the, the security guards like chasing him and he has like the, the guy's keys and he's hiding under the desk and running around and dropping stuff. <laughs> and uh, the guy says, um, you're not going anywhere. That's what he tells me. So Wow. He's like, I need, I need all your devices, pull all your devices out. And I'm like, oh, great. This has never happened. And so he starts going through my, he's trying to find out if I'm making money in China by teaching. You can make really good money teaching English and a lot of foreigners do that. And so um, he starts going through, you know, why are you here? I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a writer I'm writing a book. He's like, okay, let me see your book. And so I pull, I, you know, and I was right at the time I was writing a, a, a children's book for my daughter, uh, both my kids. So I pulled it out, showed him it, you know, and, uh, but he's made me unlock my laptop, my iPad, my iPhone, my wife's phone. They went through every device. So I'm texting my pastor, like this has never happened. And I said, Hey, uncle Johnny, um, Hey, I'm having some problems in, um, immigration and, um, uh, I need a, they want to see my bank statements. So, you know, where are you getting your money? Then if you write a book, you know, Oh, I have a rich uncle Johnny who's, you know, helping me oh, learn wow. the culture. So I'm pulling out bank statements. So the, the statements say Gallup Christian center. Oh, no. <laughs> and it doesn't oh. even register on them. Wow. That I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I'm there. They wanted to know if I was making money in their country illegally and not paying taxes. And so they're going through, you know, I have a message from a disciple, like pastor, I surrender to Jesus. I want to preach. They're skipping through those messages. They're just looking, ah, they're looking for money making. <laughs> wow. It was all about the money, man. That and wasn't so, even on their radar. Wow. wow. No, but well, thank God I have, I've been writing that story. Yeah. Because they, they read it. They literally are sitting there. So what you're saying wow. is there's, there's times where it's sanctified to lie. <laughs> <laughs> well i wasn't lying though i was writing a book yeah but your rich <laughs> uncle your rich uncle jimmy wasn't real <laughs> uncle johnny uncle johnny <laughs> my kids call him uncle does that count? Yeah, he's, like, <laughs> he's, he's so real uh, wow that's yeah. wild though man i bet that was stressful for sure yeah. man wow. yeah what, what what would what would be the punishment if they caught you you know would they just kick you out of the country or would it just be like yeah they just sent me home oh really oh, home. Okay. yeah I mean, I guess that would stink, but it would be so much more stressful if it was like, man, I'm going to go to jail for this. It's, yeah. you know, I mean, 
Yeah. I, I, I bet being there with your family, it was still stressful, but you know, knowing that it's like, well, I'm just probably going to get kicked out of here. Then, I mean, it still stinks, but I'm not going to jail. So that's gonna, yeah. you know, yeah, a little it was, relieving. Uh, it was, it was pretty strict because we didn't know, like, what, what are they thinking? What are they, and, but it wasn't until afterwards I could sort this out and process it. Does that make sense? I had time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But at the time I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm, they're going to take me in the other room and you know, they're going to, they're going to check every part of my body. <laughs> hey man well apparently that's how they're doing the the covet tests now so yeah, that's yeah i saw that yeah so, man forget that no, thank you it was what, it 50, 52 american dignitaries something that were, like uh, that yeah we're swabbed diplomatic yeah. they're doing every wow. japanese citizen right now if you're japanese oh, oh you get really swab. yeah oh wow. man no thank you yeah wow wow well, um, we're we're just about hitting an hour here. Yeah, we're so getting close. I appreciate all your all your time, all your input. We're really glad to have you on. Uh, hear your stories; they're definitely going to inspire people. Yeah, man, it's awesome to really hear that and and kind of go in depth and kind of have a kind of a relaxed conversation about it. Because I don't think a lot of people get to hear that. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to ask one last thing. So, what's so what are your goals or what are your plans now that I know you're assisting here? Are you, are you wanting to go back out? Do you want to go out to the mission field again? What's uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, uh, I just want to make disciples, man. I don't, I don't care where it's at. I can go anywhere. I don't, I haven't heard like this voice from, you know, heaven telling me anywhere. And so I know, I know a lot of the world is kind of locked down right now. Yeah. And so, especially the places I want to go. So, uh, I don't know. Things at conference, they always change. I, I do know I just want to make, I just want to work with men, work with couples. And um, anyone listening, I just encourage them, you know, if they really feel called to go overseas, like give yourself to it, you know, starting now, you know, if you have debt or car payments, start start knocking those out, putting the bug in your pastor's ear and you know, going a going a, a trip overseas, it'll it'll change your ministry. Um, you know, I it, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me being a missionary. The, the opportunity that I was afforded, I know not a lot of guys get. I don't take that for granted. But if you, you know, if you just put yourself out there and just believe God, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. Truthfully, I just have a pastor. <laughs> I have a pastor that I call. You know. <laughs> yeah. So we have pastors and wives, I think. So. Yeah. So I, don't, I know I didn't really answer your question because I, I really don't know. Oh, no, that's a good answer, man. No, I mean, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, really, really good to have you on. It was really awesome. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again sometime. Like, I don't know if David told you, but, um, you know, when people are coming down here for conferences and stuff like that, um, we'd like to have them come in to do the podcast. So if that's ever something you'd want to do, let us know. And um, we'll have you on. For, for Dave, I'll do anything. <laughs> All right, Pat. Even the uh, the next, the other coronavirus test. <laughs> would, you do the, would you do the new coronavirus test for me? Yeah. I'll let you give me a COVID <laughs> test, Dave. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Very good. Thanks, Pat. All right. All right, you guys, take it easy. Thanks for having me. Of yeah. course.